Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He got his CBS uh, Sports Network studio duties over and done with today and good enough to hop aboard with us for a couple of minutes here. Mr. John Rothstein on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, Jr.? Great, Jody. Happy New Year, my man. Happy New Year to you, too. Yeah, we haven't spoken since the New Year. So, yes, Happy New Year, my friend. Um, John, I'm going to be completely honest with you and probably point the accusing finger of guilt at myself. Uh, you know I'm a college basketball fan. It's not my life like it is with you. You know it inside out. I follow it pretty closely, but not like you do. I don't live it, sleep it, eat, eat it, breathe it. And I'll tell you that I'm having a tough time doing any of the aforementioned this year in college basketball. It's probably just my fault and me, but I'm just, I just haven't been grabbed by this year's college basketball season. Is there a reason for it? Well, I think one thing we have is this, Jody. When you have a college basketball season where you have constant anarchy day in, day out, you've got a scenario that is unpredictable. It makes college basketball obviously very fun to cover on a daily basis because you don't know what's going to happen next. However, the casual sports fan or somebody who is going to obviously looking at it more on a peripheral basis is not going to be drawn in the way that he was a year ago when you had Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett playing for Duke or how you are, you know, during golf when Tiger Woods is playing the Masters. I just think that's the way it is. I think it's very good and very compelling for people who are living the sport every single day. But I think for people from the periphery, it's tougher to draw you in. I think you've got a good read on it. I think I'm a little bit more than that. but uh, I agree, I'm, agree. I'm just giving an example. It's just me. You're for the truly casual college basketball player, I'm more than casual. I'm not John Rothstein. Uh, but I'm more than casual, but still I've had trouble keeping attention. And I think it has to do with, you're right, uh, indecisiveness, night in, night out. Any could, anybody can win, anybody can lose, which makes it exciting. But it doesn't necessarily lend itself to something you can sink your teeth into. And the other thing I was leaning toward, and again, uh, you know I'm a fan, but part of my love of college basketball, more so me than you, is trying to evaluate the players for making the next step up to the NBA and who's going to be the next professional superstar coming out of college basketball. And you touched on a couple of guys who were prominent in last year's college basketball game. There isn't that guy this year. There is no no number one. There's no franchise-changing player in college basketball this year. Can make for good competitive games, but for those of us who like to uh, use college basketball as an evaluative stance for NBA stardom, am I off base? Is there not anyone even in the same stratosphere as Zion Williams in this year's college basketball game? You know, there's not, Jody. I mean, when you look right now at the guys that are going to be probably talked about as the top picks in next year's NBA draft or in this year's NBA draft coming up in June of 2020, the top two names on the list would be James Wiseman, who was supposed to play for Memphis but is now preparing for the NBA draft, played a couple of games for Memphis, and Anthony Edwards from Georgia. Jody, there's a real chance that neither of those players play in the NCAA tournament. Now, 
What has happened is because we have a much more balanced approach across the board, it opens up the door for other players outside power conferences, a bigger seat at the table. That's why a young man from Dayton, Obi Toppin, is such a compelling story because not only does he have a chance to be the national player of the year, not only does he have a chance to take Dayton deep into the NCAA tournament, this year, maybe more than any other year, a team that's formidable outside the power conferences like a Dayton, like a San Diego State, not only have a chance to go deep into the field, but have a chance in March to legitimately win the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's where I was going next. San Diego State, the only undefeated team left into their conference play already, so they're not going to catch a uh, a highly ranked team or a team from a power conference in and out of conference game between now and the end of the season. Can they actually run the regular season table? You know, San Diego State had its most difficult road game a couple of weeks ago at Utah State, and they were successful. San Diego State is in a conference, Jody, in the Mountain West that is far different from the Mountain West that you and I probably remember seven, eight years ago when Steve Alford was at New Mexico and there was a guy named Anthony Bennett. Now, I know he didn't turn out to be the NBA player that a lot of people thought, but he was the number one overall Number one pick, pick yeah. Yeah, I mean, this guy was in the Mountain West. How about this? In the 2013 NCAA tournament, the Mountain West had five teams in the NCAA tournament. So what am I getting at here? When you look at the Mountain West Conference, it is now turned into, especially with the way Utah State season has kind of turned, a one-bid league like any other mid-major league, not named, obviously, the Atlantic 10 of the West Coast Conference. So San Diego State could obviously lose, given the landscape of college basketball, but it's going to be favored in every other game of play the rest of the way. And someone will try and knock them off in their tournament to make it a two-bid league because with only one loss, yeah, I think they'll be expanding for the Mountain West to at least two if that's the case. Last year's championship, of course, came out of the ACC. You were on the Virginia bandwagon way early in the season and uh, give you credit and kudos for uh, uh, picking them out as a Final Four team, which eventually won the championship. The ACC is just like every other conference. Uh, Teams that have never beaten teams before, like Clemson and uh, at Duke and North Carolina coming well back to the pack this year. The ACC is wide open. Uh, Usually when that happens, we say it's a major bid league. Is it just a balanced league, or is it a major bid league? Are we going to see a bunch of teams come out of the ACC this year come tournament time? Well, look, we are eight weeks away from Selection Sunday. But I will say this. If the NCAA tournament started today, the only three locks to be in the field are Duke, Louisville, and Florida State. That means that's 20% of the ACC being in the field. I mean, Jody... For a league that has really been consistently the best league in the country since it added Syracuse, Louisville, Pitt, Notre Dame from the Big East, that would be a staggering, staggering statistic if eight weeks from today we only have that many teams from the ACC. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, so if the ACC isn't, what is the best conference in college basketball this year? The Big Ten, to me, has the most teams in college basketball that can go deep into the NCAA tournament, but... The Big Ten, Jody, has a bottom with Northwestern and Nebraska that gives it a very soft landing at 13 and 14. 
The Big East does not have that. The Big East has the ability to cannibalize itself at the highest level, and there was no better example than what we saw yesterday. DePaul was a team that woke up yesterday winless in the Big East after a 12-1 and start in the non-conference portion of the schedule, and then they dominated Butler and ripped through the Bulldogs, a top-five team like a chainsaw through butter from tip to finish in Chicago. So DePaul right now has one Big East win. St. John's has one Big East win. These teams are at the bottom of the Big East. But what are their non-conference wins? St. John's has beaten Arizona. St. John's has beaten West Virginia. DePaul has won at Minnesota. DePaul has won at Iowa, something Michigan could not do on Friday night. And DePaul has beaten Texas Tech and Chicago. That's pretty impressive. Yes, the Big East has been very good outside of their own uh, league. We'll see what they do. As you say, cannibalization is a possibility in the Big East. Uh, how about out West? Other than San Diego State, who's undefeated but uh, will not be tested again supremely again this year. Uh, Pac-12 got anything worth uh, putting on the uh, shelf to say, hey, take a look at us? Well, I think you look at things, Jody, and I think, you know, the Pac-12 has three NCAA tournament locks in Oregon, Arizona, and Colorado. And then you obviously have Stanford and USC competing for NCAA tournament berths. Arizona State and Oregon State are hovering. Oregon State had a really rough week losing to Washington and Washington State. Arizona State, I thought, it was a good bounce-back win last night against Utah. But I think those five all in the mix for NCAA tournament berths. And look, I think, you know, now you're looking at a scenario where Oregon, Arizona, and Colorado could all be second weekend teams. And I'll say this, Jody, I think there's a legitimate chance. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but this is a legitimate thing. This is a legitimate chance when you look at this happening. With USC coming back to beat Stanford, and with Stanford obviously off to their best start ever under Jared Haas, I think there's a legitimate chance. And again, I know there's two months of season left. But there's a legitimate chance that the Pac-12 could have more teams in the NCAA tournament than both the SEC and the ACC. Wow, that's saying plenty. And uh, a team that's been okay against the Pac-12, and that would be Gonzaga. They've gotten both Oregon and Washington and Arizona already. When those teams were in the top 25 earlier in the year, they're now into their conference schedule. And I don't know if anyone can truly challenge them in their conference schedule. Are they going to be able to sit atop the rankings the rest of the way? Yeah, I think we're looking at a situation right now where Gonzaga is playing in an improved West Coast conference, San Francisco, Santa Clara, better than past years, St. Mary's and BYU NCAA tournament contenders. But, Jody, here's the interesting thing. Mark Few has had better teams at Gonzaga, but this could be Mark Few's best chance to win a national championship because of the landscape of college basketball. And, look, you and I have been doing this a long time now, getting close to a decade and a half, bouncing college hoop stuff back and forth. The days of building a program are over. We are now in a world where because of graduate transfers, because of kids leaving early for the NBA, even if they're not going to get a two-way contract from the G League, that you, if you're a head coach, have to build a program on a year-to-year basis. And Gonzaga is prime proof of that. Two backcourt components for the Zags this year are grad transfers, Admon Gilder from Texas A&M and Ryan Woolridge from North Texas. They were in obscurity when they were playing in their prior stops in college basketball. Now they could be integral pieces 
to a team that will be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And here's another big picture thing to think about. San Diego State's 19-0. Gonzaga has one loss right now to Michigan on a neutral court. You could very well be looking at a scenario eight weeks from tonight on Selection Sunday where we are watching and getting ready to fill out our bracket. And this is a scenario. You have one number one seed from the West Coast Conference, and you have one number one seed from the Mountain West. Welcome (laughs) to college basketball in 2020. Remember, it's not anarchy. It's just college basketball. There you go. There's a a Rothstein tweet if I've ever seen one. Um, All right, one last question for you. As you mentioned, it's such a wide-open affair this year. Kudos to San Diego State and Gonzaga, the team we just talked about, but other conferences beating up on each other, and you never know on a given night who's going to win. Is there a team out there that might not be in the top 25 right now that's got either an injury issue or a guy on suspension who's got a chance to get reinstated? Is there a team that could come out of nowhere, that if they just can get hot, win a tournament, win their conference, get a bid, then get in and make an unbelievable run because they get help from reinforcements that might not be playing right now, is there such a team out there this season? I don't know if there's a team that has a player waiting in the wings, but I am going to give you a team that has a chance to get on a roll. It's a coach you know. It's a program you're starting to get familiar with. It's Houston. Houston dominated Wichita State yesterday from tip to finish at the roundhouse. I did sidelines for a Houston game a week and a half ago at Temple. And after that game, they had a bad loss where they had a lead late against Tulsa, who's played very well this year under Frank Hayes. But Houston had a lead late in that game. Houston, to me, Jody, has a chance if they can get right over the next four or five weeks to go back to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament for the second consecutive year. And I think one of the reasons why is because they have a player, Nate Hinton, that Kelvin Sampson told me is the best rebounding guard he's ever coached. In that game against Temple that I covered, Houston had 54 rebounds as a team. Hinton at 6'5", Jody averaging just under 10 a game this season. Nice name. I like it. I will right, we'll keep an eye on that one. And, oh, by the way, those Owls came back and beat Wichita State this week. So don't don't well, bury them just yet because they lost well, that Houston game. And I watched that Houston game with you covering it, and I thought Temple was going to win it. They didn't. But Temple still got a chance to be a, a team dancing at the end. Right. But here's the thing we got to look at right now. Temple played four games in the last two weeks. You lose at home against Tulane. You lose at home against Houston. You lose, obviously, to SMU. Jody, we're in a different day and age right now where bad losses and wins that aren't moving the needle all add up. If you are looking at a team like Temple and you're thinking about them being a potential at-large team for the NCAA tournament, Temple is not competing against the Memphises and the Wichita States to get an NCAA tournament bid. Temple is competing with the Wisconsin's and the Virginias, and the NC State, 
and the UFCs. What league are you going to get more quad one opportunities in? The American Conference or teams from the league I just mentioned? I'm saying they could get hot and win the American Conference, but uh, I might be wearing my temple rooting colors on my sleeve. So thanks for reeling me back in. JR, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on. You know, we'll touch in, uh, touch base and grab you and uh, put you on plenty over the next eight weeks till Selection Sunday, huh? Yep, that's it, Jody. You know where I am, Jody. If I'm not on the air, I'm watching the game. Just text. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 